Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, we live in some very confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy following Jesus in 2022. How can we stay grounded in our faith, stay true to biblical convictions, and how can we become more like Christ and share Him with the lost and hurting world around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Real Christian Talk. Have you ever thought about what the greatest threat to Christianity in America could be in 2022? Well, this is something that's recently been on my mind and on my heart, and I'd like to share what I believe the greatest threat to Christianity in America is right now. And you may be surprised at what I personally and pastorally believe is in fact that great threat. I'm going to begin by reading from Scripture as I always do in the onset of every episode because at the end of the day, what God says is a heck of a lot more important than anything I have to say. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But from now, my kingdom is from another world place. To give you full context here of this passage, Jesus is having a very fascinating conversation with the political leader of his day who had technical authority over him, and that would be the one and only Pontius Pilate. Pilate is 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 curious in trying to understand who Jesus is and whether or not Jesus is a real threat specifically to Rome and to Rome's power. That's obviously his primary concern. He could care less about the religious concerns the Jewish leaders brought before him. He wants to know, is this so-called king going to be a threat to Caesar and to, therefore, my rule? So when he asks Jesus point blank if, in fact, he was a king, Jesus responds implying that he is a king, but that his kingdom is not of an earthly nature. His kingdom is of a spiritual nature. It is from another place. We believe as Christians that the kingdom of God is currently being spread from heart to heart, mind to mind, through the preaching and proclamation of the gospel and through the move and sealing of the Holy Spirit of God. We as Christians do not believe that Jesus reigns physically, literally on this planet right now, because all you need to do is spend just a few minutes reading your newsfeed on your phone or, or watching the late night news if you ever do that to yourself. And it's pretty clear pretty quickly that the world as it is now clearly is not the way that God intends it to be. The Bible tells us that, that Satan is the prince of this world, that he in fact is the God, lowercase g, of this age who has blinded the minds of, of, of unbelievers so they cannot see the light and glory of Christ. Now, truthfully, we do believe, of course, that God is ultimately sovereign over history. He is sovereign over all things. But we do not believe that Jesus has yet returned to establish his kingdom over this earth. We believe that will happen one day. And yet, I believe that Christians today need to be reminded that for the current age in which we live, the kingdom we are to advance is of a spiritual nature not an earthly one. So why do I bring all this up? If you were to think to yourself, what is the greatest threat to Christianity in America, 
What would you say that it is? I have written about in many pieces throughout newspapers and and, uh, and even in books that I've published and certainly preached about and spoken about many threats to evangelical Christianity, to biblical Christianity in America over the years. I see our culture that is becoming increasingly hostile to Judeo-Christian values as a major threat that is facing the church. Christians are being confronted and pushed into a corner with very difficult, controversial subjects and issues, and it's tough to respond with truth and love. And we are seeing the effects as our culture continues to shift away from Judeo-Christian values. It is further ostracizing those of us who still adhere to them. And I do believe in the coming years, persecution in America could increase with those issues and with that shift that is taking place. But I still wouldn't say that's the greatest threat to Christianity in America. Maybe the greatest threat is the, is the fact that generationally, each generation is, is, is losing its beliefs in the Christian faith. If you look at the stats, the pandemic's only further exacerbated this trend where each generation, those who adhere to Christianity, those who profess to be Christians, seem to be less and less and less and less. So certainly that is definitely a threat that in time will only continue to get worse as America seems to follow the example of Europe. But even these things, as big and challenging as they are, and of which I think are a grave concern, along with, of course, uh, attacks on religious liberty, major cultural issues that Christians should care about, be it abortion, be it uh, these other things uh, that are dear to our hearts and that I do believe are very, very important, I still would surmise that the greatest threat to Christianity, to biblical Christianity in America, is the increasing attempts to marry the gospel and the name of evangelical Christianity with partisan politics. This is a trend that has been happening for years but has reached a fever pitch in the previous few years. Why in the world would I say that that's the greatest threat to Christianity in America? I would say that because, well, first and foremost, the church has been told by Jesus himself that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Even though Christians are passionate and feel attacked or feel threatened by these other challenges, these other threats that are outward, that are hitting us from, from, from afar in our world, in our society, in our culture, I still don't believe those are threats to, to who we are as Christians, nor do I believe that they will be successful in overcoming the church. You see, sometimes Christians forget who they are. And we react in these pandemic times, in these polarizing times in which we've lived, as though we don't actually believe what we say we do. It's like we forget that the message of of the book of Revelation is that in the end, Jesus wins. We're moved more by fear or anger than we are by hope and by love. And, And these things simply should not move the core of who we are. Yes, we have grave concerns about the things that are going on around us and we should be involved and we should be uh, doing our part to, to speak out on those things. And, and I believe that, that Christians' silence on these difficult issues or threats that are that are confronting the church, I do believe it's important for us to speak up about those. But I believe 
that the attempted marriage between partisan politics and biblical Christianity is by far currently the greatest threat to Christianity in America. Why do I say that? I recently read a piece that really highlighted this alarming trend, which I have noticed, even of which I have faced pressure on, which has to do with attempts to, again, marry the gospel with partisan politics. And it was a piece that, not unlike many others I've seen recently, highlighted growing movements within evangelical. That's, again, when I say evangelical, I mean Christians who would subscribe to the same beliefs that I do or that you do that proclaim to be evangelical. We believe the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God. We believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone and trusting in Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. We believe in the importance of evangelism and of sharing our faith. And and we hold to a biblical worldview even on difficult subjects, be it sexuality or gender or abortion or these other things. And yet, and yet, this piece highlighted uh, different uh, different groups of churches that are that are having speakers that are coming and that are sharing a message that intentionally fuses the message of the gospel with political ideology, and so biblical passages that speak of, say, putting on the whole armor of God and speaking of spiritual warfare, are referring to the political left rather than to what the original context tells us they're referring to, and that is spiritual forces of evil in the world that are at work. And so what is happening increasingly, and this piece highlighted this, is that more and more and more, we are seeing spiritual language be intentionally misconstrued so as to refer to political ideology. We are seeing efforts to hijack what being a Christian is all about to make being a Christian be synonymous with being, say, a conservative Republican or a liberal Democrat. We are merging what it means to follow Christ and spiritual warfare of which all Christians are called to be engaged in with a political ideological struggle in America that is a far cry from what the Bible actually is talking about. Now, let me make a very quick and important disclaimer here as as an evangelical uh, Christian here. Um, I believe very strongly and have always been consistent about speaking the truth in love on every difficult issue that confronts Christians in America. And what I have noticed through this podcast as I have done that is that with certain episodes and with certain subjects, whether it's through episodes I've recorded here or it's posts I've made on social media. Sometimes uh, my conservative friends are very uh, uh, enthusiastic about what I say and they, and they applaud it and they agree with it. And, and, uh, and my liberal friends ignore it or attack me for it. And then other times on diff- different issues, uh, sometimes my liberal friends will applaud me and will say, yeah, 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 that's right. And my conservative ones will either ignore it or reject it. And here's the the God honest truth. And John Piper talked about this. 
To be a true follower of Jesus Christ and to preach the whole counsel of God, that is all of what the Bible tells us in all of its teachings and its implications, will mean that I and you and me will not be able to fit entirely in one political or ideological tribe. It's impossible. The Bible is going to touch and hit on our toes in different areas and in different ways that's going to affect uh, all of us differently. And depending upon our political persuasion and how <clears throat> we vote and, and what we believe about what's going on in the world is going to affect us uh, differently. When I post and when I talk about certain things, uh, be it about abortion or sexuality, uh, I get I get flack from one crowd. And then if I, you know, for, they, they, they'll give me flack for, you know, you're, you're being uh, discriminatory, you're not being sensitive to, you're being inclusive or, or, or whatever. Uh, and then if I post, you know, or do something about, you know, the reality of racism that is still a problem, I'm accused of being woke. So here's the deal. <laughs> uh, I, if I am true to scripture, will not fit in either tribe in any category. And what is happening is there are efforts to try and make being a Christian synonymous with being part of a political party or political persuasion. And I'm here to say that just isn't possible. Not really. Uh, being a Christian and following Jesus is not a, a left-wing thing or a right-wing thing. The church is supposed to be above all that. The church is going to be made up of people, right? All of us who are saved by grace through faith and being a Christian, the litmus test for being a Christian is not how you vote. The litmus test for being a Christian that I see in scripture is that I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And I accepted him and trusted him by faith alone. Now, certainly that will have implications with how you vote. And so some people are going to take this episode and say, oh, Pastor Steve, you're saying that, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, that we're, that we shouldn't be involved in politics at all. Absolutely not. One of my favorite heroes in history was William Wilberforce, who helped abolish slavery in the British Empire. And he was struggling with, you know, uh, should I, should I go into the ministry or should I stay in politics? And in the end, he recognized I can be a Christian and be politically active. And I am one, I am trying to say right now, absolutely vote participate in our democracy. I'm very passionate about that. I believe Christians should be politically involved. I believe you should vote your conscience. I believe you should vote for who you feel best represents your biblical, you know, the biblical values and in a way that you feel led to vote. I am all for that. What I am against is infusing your identity as a Christian with political ideology and with forgetting that our enemy is not those on the right or those on the left, but rather a spiritual adversary whose forces are at work in the world to try and keep people's hearts and minds blinded to the truth of the gospel. And what I have seen and have watched over the last few years is it seems this unholy marriage uh, between between Christianity and uh, political figures or political ideology. What I see happening is I see Christians in danger of losing their identity. I see the word evangelical is now synonymous with political figures or political parties. I see an exodus of people who who don't agree with the majority of us who are evangelicals, political persuasion, 
because they feel so ostracized now are leaving evangelical Christianity and are going to churches that perhaps do teach a, a, a liberal theology and a liberal understanding of scripture. And for those of us who believe the Bible is the word of God and the ultimate authority, we should not want people to resort to that or to do that. We should never subjugate the gospel and the gospel message to political talking points. And and I get a little angry when I see intentional efforts to manipulate Christians and I see intentional efforts to try and hijack the cause of Christ and the cause of the gospel and infuse it with the cause of someone's political ambitions. Again, vote your conscience Vote for who you believe is going gonna, is gonna to do the best job, who's going to be in accordance with what we believe. I'm all for that. Speak the truth. Share your opinions. Absolutely. But do not forget, the Great Commission is not for us to try and save America. The Great Commission is for us to save souls in America and around the world. And if we get those two things confused and twisted, well, then we will miss what the focus should be for us. We cannot reach our neighbor who happens to vote a certain way or who happens to have an entirely different uh, political and, and uh, social, uh, social ideology than we do if we view them as the enemy that we hate. If we spend so much time demonizing political figures and politicians and power that we disagree with, that we forget to do what the Bible actually tells Christians to do, which is to pray for those who are in authority, to pray for political figures, again, we get things backwards and twisted. We forget what our primary calling is, which is to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and yes, to pray for those who are in authority, to be model citizens as best we can. Yes, I believe, again, electing people in, into positions in high office as best we can that will protect religious freedom, that will do the right thing that we believe in. Absolutely, I'm all for that. But we cannot take our eyes off of our real mission and be distracted by secondary issues and be distracted by temporal earthly matters that we are distracted from advancing the spiritual eternal matters that God has left the church here to be focused on. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, this gospel will be preached in the whole world and then the end will come. Notice Jesus does not say, that when we've gotten enough uh, Supreme Court justices on the court, then he'll return. That we'll vote a certain way that we would like, perhaps. Or, or if, we, if we win the House and the Senate and the White House, well, then the end will come. That's not what he says. It, or if we get laws that we would agree with, well, then the end will come. That's not what Jesus says. He says the gospel will be preached in the whole world and then the end will come. And what I have been sad to see and to watch over the last several years of polarizing politics, of, of the pandemic that we went through, of, of all the divisions and tensions, what has burdened my heart is that Christians need to remember that the gospel has to be at the center of who we are 
individually and collectively as the church and proclaiming the gospel message with love as an appeal to all liberal and conservative, Republican and Democrat, all need Christ. And Satan wants you and I to get so focused and so distracted on arguing about whether or not we should take the COVID vaccine or arguing about whether or not, uh, you know, these policies or, or, or this political figure uh, is 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 uh, doing a good job or not, or 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 whether or not we sh- you know how we're going to vote in the midterms or or what's going to happen in 2024. I wish Christians would be half as passionate in talking about Jesus as they are in talking about politics and political figures, because our passions, I believe are misaligned if we are more enthusiastic and quick to talk about what's going on in the world politically than we are in sharing Jesus with those around us. And if you look historically, if you look historically, and I recently for my uh, master's program had to write a paper on this, when the church was persecuted for the first three centuries of its existence, Christianity flourished. It grew. People got saved because, because hearts and minds were changed. They were moved by, by seeing everything that was going on uh, with, with the lives of those being transformed to follow Jesus and with the way in which they were willing to die. I mean, Romans were used to seeing death. They were used to seeing death. They were used to seeing martyrdom, but they were not used to seeing people face death and face being tortured to death the way that Christians did in ancient Rome. They would they would they would sing worship songs to Jesus. They would they would tell others about Jesus. I recently saw an episode about you know the Colosseum, the Roman Colosseum, and Saint Ignatius of Antioch, and he was the first martyr that was that we know of historically that was that was killed in the Roman Colosseum, and and he was actually worried when he was arrested and sentenced to death that his wealthy, influential friends would actually get him off the hook. He did not want to get off the hook because he knew that he would have the opportunity of a lifetime to share Jesus with the Romans in the Colosseum, with the Roman Empire, with those in power. He knew he had the spotlight on him to make a mark and a difference for Christ. And boy, did he. And and so Christianity flourished under pressure and persecution. Then the Emperor Constantine gets saved, or at least he claims to be a Christian. It's debated whether it was real or genuine. I don't really know. The guy had his wife and his uh, uh, son killed, so... I. Uh, that doesn't exactly scream fruits of the spirit, <laughs> but but he got baptized on his deathbed. So who knows? It's between him and God, right? But Constantine did do a lot of good things for the church. He he helped make Christianity legal in the Roman Empire. You didn't have to worry about getting arrested or having your property confiscated, or or being flogged or or or, or killed for following Jesus. That's good, right? I mean, obviously that's good. And he even started funding the built building of churches and, and he even granted privileges to clergy and he did all these nice and great things for the Christian church. And so, yes, there were a lot of benefits, but there were also a lot of cons that happened over time. 
He created a marriage between the state and the church. And any time in history there's been a marriage between the state and the church, it has always led to compromise and corruption over time. And that's what happened. And over time, a biblical truth as the authority gradually eroded more and more and more. And those who were in leadership cared more about power than in advancing the true and biblical gospel. And eventually it led to reformers who spoke the truth and then, of course, the Protestant Reformation. So I believe the lessons of history bear relevance to to, to this moment in which we are now in. I'm passionate about this because I see intentional distracting and hijacking of what the Christian message and Christian gospel is. The Christian message and Christian gospel absolutely has implications on various issues that confront our culture and our society. But if we reduce what Christianity is about to voting a certain way, or we attempt to marry the cause of Jesus with the cause of a political figure, we're not just going to be disappointed when they turn out to let us down, as they always do, but we may have some accountability before our God one day as well. Because I believe that does damage to the witness of the gospel. I believe that further burns bridges and alienates us from those to whom we are called to dialogue and to try and reach for Christ. I believe it gets us too focused on temporal things rather than eternal things. And it causes us to serve more than one master. If there's one thing God is passionate about, It's that he and he alone is God and that there should be no competition. No political figure, no political brand should even be in the same sentence or equation with our love for Jesus and our faith in him. It's Jesus alone. He alone is our hope. He alone is the hope for this country. I love America. I love this country. I don't believe that the kingdom of God being advanced is about getting political power. I don't believe that it's about trying to make America a theocracy. But I do love this country. I love that it was founded with Judeo-Christian principles. I love that we have enjoyed religious liberty in a way that no other nation throughout history has ever enjoyed. And I'm passionate about defending that. And I believe we should be. I want and love this country so much. I want my children to be able to grow up in a a better America than I grew up in. And I'm worried, very worried and very concerned about a lot of things that are facing this country. But I also know in the grand scheme of it, one day, it's going to be Jesus who reigns. It's going to be Jesus who establishes his kingdom and every other earthly power and empire will fade and he alone will reign. And I have to remember, and you have to remember, that is where all this is going eventually, in the end. And so our heart and our mission is certainly to make an impact on society, certainly to affect culture, certainly to elect uh, uh, officials who we believe will, will have policies and laws that are in accordance with what we believe. But let us remember, what America needs is the gospel. What America needs is Jesus. 
What America needs is true revival in hearts and minds through a move of the Holy Spirit of God, which has to begin first and foremost with you and I being humble and being repentant. Because I believe the church is facing a crucial hour and a crucial test. And I believe it's imperative now more than ever that we not fall for the seduction and the allure that comes with marrying Christianity and biblical faith with partisan politics. The gospel and the Christian has to be above that fray. God is not looking for partisans. He's looking for us to be like the prophets who will speak the truth in love in a twisted and perverse generation among whom we can shine as stars in the universe. Remember this quote from C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian thinkers and philosophers of this age, who said, I think almost all the crimes which Christians perpetuate against each other arise from this, that religion is confused with politics. Let's make sure we don't get confused. I leave you with this quote, as I always do at the end of every episode, an admonition from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. May you stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.